Hello, and welcome to this episode of Dallas Christian College's Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spees, and we're continuing in our series of podcasts looking at current topics and events that are shaping our society, the world of education, and particularly the local church. The goal of the DCC Leadership Podcast is to create fresh and engaging conversation with you, our listeners. And today I'm here with the head of DCC's Worship Arts Department, Dr. Corey Allen, and the voice of the DCC Leadership Podcast, Mr. Mark Worley, Vice President of Institutional Advancement. As we enter into this Christmas season, we thought it'd be good to take a look at the Christian Church calendar and the significance of observing this season that we're in right now, the season known as Advent. And so I'm going to turn it over now to Mark Worley and let him begin our discussion with Dr. Allen. Mark? Yeah, thanks, Scott. This is a this is really a topic that I'm I, I'm personally very interested in, and uh, so so I've heard a lot recently about a church calendar as far as events like Advent, and uh, you know, you know it sounds like a real high or uh, traditional, very formal church kinds of things. So how how did this how did this come about, Dr. Allen? Well, there's several answers to that, but let me begin by saying when you say it's traditional, it's actually more traditional than most people would realize. If we go all the way back to our creation story, Genesis chapter 1, we find in uh, the 14th verse, God creates the luminaries in the heavens, the, the sun to guide the day, the moon and the stars to guide the night. And the uh, text specifically says that he gives these things for the keeping of times and seasons. And so we begin this conversation by just simply saying that they are God's gift to humanity, this idea of keeping time, uh, and that God expected humans to use this timekeeping specifically for their spiritual formation. If I could uh, follow what Paul ends up saying in Ephesians uh, chapter 5, verse 16, yeah. he says, redeem the time because the days are evil. And so in the process of redeeming time, what we do is we organize our time around the events that are important for us. And for us as Christians, that most important event is the life of Christ and both his teachings and the actions that he accomplishes on the cross by his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. So <clears throat> since all, all cultures keep track of time— yes. And so why, why is it so important for Christians? Uh, I, I mean, you, you've quoted uh, Ephesians, but, but, but why is it important for us to develop that distinctly Christian method uh, for keeping track of, of holidays or mm -hmm. uh, different seasons or different areas of time? Well, the primary reason for it is, as you pointed out, Every culture keeps track of time, and they keep track of time based upon some kind of an organizing principle. The things that are important to that culture become the organizing principle for their timekeeping. And so what they do is they reaffirm their narratives that shape and impact their life. We would often call this their meta-narrative, their global narrative uh, that shapes their life. And for Christians, we want the narrative of the Bible— and specifically the narrative of Christ to be our primary influence. And so one of the one of the benefits of Christians developing a specifically Christian form of timekeeping is it allows us, as uh, my mentor Robert Weber uh, wrote in his book Ancient Future Time, it allows us to tell the story 
of God and his mighty acts, and to do so in a way that is regimented and concise. So I know uh, you go to different countries and they have different holidays, different high points and mm-hmm. low points. Exactly what you were talking about. Uh, great victories. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we just we just experienced December 7th, a yes. day that will live in infamy. Uh, those kinds of things. Uh, 9-11. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as landmarks for memory. But uh, what's... What's the difference between like a, a Jewish calendar and a Christian calendar? Okay, well, one of the biggest differences is their focal point for timekeeping. For example, in the Judeo-Christian tradition, there are three main calendars. There's the Jewish calendar, there's the Christian calendar, and then there's the Muslim calendar. And each one has a different focal point. For example, the Jewish calendar, the year would currently be uh, 5,780. In the uh, Christian calendar, it is, of course, 2020, the year of our Lord. And in the Islamic calendar, it's 1441, which is a year that is traced to a time period of when Muhammad was doing things. But all three of these points basically say, what is the key focal point? What is, where does the story begin and take shape for us? And for Christians, that 2020, the, the uh, year of our Lord says that the focal point of our religion, the focal point of our faith, is the coming of Christ, that there is something that happens that changes the fundamental just fabric of reality when Christ comes. Yeah, and yet and yet the whole world seems to revolve around that. Does that I mean, look, where did where did this this calendar begin. I mean, how did how did the calendar, the Christian calendar itself, begin in church history or in history itself? Mm-hmm. Well, like all calendars, it develops. Uh, you know, as you'd pointed out, uh, the uh, the day of infamy, December seventh. No one was celebrating it before Pearl Harbor. No one is celebrating nine eleven or remembering nine eleven before the September attacks. And so what happens is calendars are both established and they expand as the culture grows. And so we can't put a concrete date on this is when Christians developed a calendar because there is no concrete date on it. There are uh, examples of traditions that as Christians began reflecting on their lives and trying to figure how do we arrange our just spiritual formation around the Christ events, uh, that they will, um, they will begin to focus uh, on specific events more so than others. And so some of the first holidays that will emerge for Christians, Easter shows up around 200, 250 or so A.D. Christmas begins to develop around 350 or so A.D. Uh, but this, this calendar is constantly expanding as the Christian experience and reflection expands. Now, how did, how did the calendar get—I uh, mean, for example, uh, Christmas mm-hmm. here is December 25th. Yes. Okay. In, in uh, uh, Russia, it's mm-hmm. January 7th. Yes. Yes. And part of that is cultures 
do not use the same calendar, even when they are necessarily trying to align. There's always uh, problems with that. Probably one of my favorite examples of this is in uh, 668 AD. There's a problem in uh, England uh, that will be settled at the Synod of Whitby. There is a king who has a wife, and they celebrate Easter on different days. And the king is absolutely frustrated because his wife, who is uh, Roman Catholic, the king, who is a Celtic Christian, they, they, they're celebrating their Easter holiday one week apart. And they're like, if we don't get this figured out, our kingdom is in turmoil. <laughs> and so they, ha- they hold this synod to basically ask the question, how can we organize our calendar? And so, yes, Christian timekeeping has never just across the board, been completely organized. And it's usually a sign of Christian unity whenever you can get Christians together enough to actually say, okay, can we iron out when we're going to have our holidays in such a way that we're celebrating them together? Yeah, and yet they're still different. They are still different. So is one good, one bad? Well, I would be of the mind to say that I don't think anyone is necessarily wrong. For something to be wrong, it has to specifically have, at least in my theology, a New Testament mandate that you are ignoring or breaking. Yeah. Uh, and as uh, as uh, the Restoration Movement has so often pointed out w- with uh, the concept of the calendar, there really isn't a, a New Testament mandate for the timekeeping of any specific holiday. And so I can't say that anyone is in the wrong, because that would require going against Scripture to be in the wrong. But I can say that there are certain holidays that make more sense to me than others, and certain traditions within those holidays that make more sense to me than others. Yeah, so, and the components of of the different calendar events are kind of interesting as well. You know, like Mm -hmm. you mentioned, Easter, you know, some would say, oh, well, that's the church doing an alternative to uh, Oaster, you know, yes. a, a pagan holiday, mm-hmm. which even the days of the week are named yes. after some different. Yes. Uh, as well as December 25th uh, nicely coincides with the Roman soul Invictus, uh, yeah. the, the uh, a uh, sun god ritual. So, yes, there there is a sense that Christian holidays have often coincided with other pagan holidays, and one of the positive ways to spend this, you know, the negative ways to say, are, are we really just paganizing Christian Christianity? Another way to look at it is, are we Christianizing even pagan culture? Because every calendar ultimately is a militant act, and by that I would simply mean that if you say 2020 or year 2020 is a pivotal day in the year of our Lord, and even if someone is not a Christian, they're like, okay— the year is 2020. You have in some way, shape, or form said this Christian form of timekeeping has been imparted to you whether you want it or not. And so one way of looking at it is to say by offering a Christian holiday that specifically is focused on Christ, what we are, instead of saying it's becoming a Christian that is paganized, what we are saying is that it is a Christianity that is actively advancing into areas of darkness and reclaiming it, or as Paul would say, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Yeah, I, I don't want to get too far off on this. Maybe it's it's another podcast for another day, because 
man, you know, even even Christmas itself, there's some elements that they're going, wait a minute, like Mm -hmm. the Christmas tree. Well, that goes back to worshiping a tree. I I heard the other day. No, it goes back to uh, Luther. The reason we uh, decorate trees is because Luther saw the the lights through the trees and thought that that was really pretty cool. And, uh, you Mm -hmm. know, did candles, which is not good for uh, (laughs) It's not good for a Christmas tree that's, uh, you know, but he did that for his family, Mm -hmm. and so it was picked up. So there's a lot of traditions that are picked up through the years. Mm -hmm. But the the narrative of God's revelation to humanity is more complex, you know, really, than just the cycles of life and light, you know, Mm -hmm. as far as the resurrection, Easter, uh, Christmas. So how, how does Christian timekeeping keep us, you know, acknowledging or keep us focused in on these important narratives. Okay. Well, within the Christian liturgical calendar, as it currently stands in like churches that follow the church year, uh, your Lutherans, your Anglicans, your Catholics, uh, these these groups basically have three internal cycles within the cycle of light the cycle of Christmas and the cycle of Easter is kind of like the two big focal points. Uh, the And these points are a period of fasting and reflection, a period of celebration, and a period of renewal. And what ends up happening when we have the period of fasting and reflection, uh, we are in, uh, they, they often mark that liturgical season with the color purple. We're, currently, we are in one of those purple seasons Advent. And the point of the reflective seasons is so that you can look at your life, you can assess, you know, how is Christ growing you spiritually, and what changes do I need to make to be more in line with with the kingdom? When we move into those celebratory seasons, the white or gold seasons, we celebrate Christmas proper, or we celebrate Easter pro- proper, and I'm sure you've probably heard the song, The Twelve Days of Christmas, Originally, the Christmas holiday was a 12-day holiday. We, In many ways, we've truncated it to this one December 25th. Uh, but Easter was even bigger and grander. Uh, it was a 50-day holiday originally. So basically, it was basically a holiday from Easter Day until Pentecost. But then these uh, seasons of renewal follow these seasons of um, uh, of uh, of celebration, and we often refer to this as ordinary time uh, because we're counting the days, the first Sunday, the second Sunday, the third Sunday, the ordinal numbers. But this ordinary time is frequently used in one of two ways. The earliest ordinary time at the uh, from Easter to to uh, the beginning of Advent is usually focused on the life and teachings of Christ. Whereas the second ordinary time is focused on the writings of Paul and the apostles, as well as as major Old Testament narratives. And so in following this, if you're following uh, the readings that go along with this calendar, this what's called the lectionary, you'll actually have read through the entire New Testament three times in three years, and the Old Testament one time in three years. So where do you get a lectionary? All right. Lectionaries are actually, uh, er, they're some of the earliest writings we have. I'm, I'm sure if you've ever uh, done any biblical studies, uh, you'll know that there are thousands of Greek manuscripts of our New Testament. Most of them are actually not Bibles as we know them, but they are lectionaries. They are specifically ways of reading through the New Testament in a concise way. And there were several 
forms of the lectionary, and it's constantly being revised so that there are thematic uh, so connections. So who, re- who revises them? Uh, just about every denomination these days. So, for example, <laughs> the Revised Common Lectionary is uh, currently in use with uh, Anglicans, where, where, uh, whereas um, if we have, um, let's say, uh, the... Um, goodness, I'm going blank on that. Uh, the... Um, uh, let's see, the Roman Missal is another version of a lectionary that is specifically done by the uh, Roman Catholics. But almost every denomination uh, that follows a lectionary produces its own. Uh, and part of the reason of having a lectionary is to try to have an Old Testament reading, a psalm, a New Testament reading, and a uh, epistle reading that are somehow thematically linked. Yeah. And so the idea of showing kind of a thread of thought through Scripture on a daily basis, and part of how we see those threads will often be based on just, you know, what are the theological things that are important to that particular denomination. So are they supposed to be done uh, like as a family group? Or? Uh, they are to be done specifically by the entire congregation. The idea is that if everyone has the same list of things that they're reading on a daily basis, when you bump into your, uh, fa- when you bump into your friends from church at the grocery store or, you know, at some time, you basically are like, hey— did you read what, what what was there in Matthew 18 today? And they're like, yeah, I did. Again, if they're following this lectionary. And so it is a way of getting an entire congregation into a biblical conversation. Yeah, that's that's incredible. You, you know, it, it's interesting. Uh, I think we blow right by the fasting and go to the uh, uh, chowing down part. Of course, because the fasting is hard and the chowing is easy. Yeah. Well, you know, and watching football and stuff like that. But but, but it seems like, uh, Dr. Allen, that, that it would be, I mean, it, it would be sobering, really, in a good way to take a look at, uh, at, at the calendar and mm-hmm. what we're doing at these different, different holidays. Well— as far as sobering goes, uh, I would I would probably even use an additional word on top of that. I think that it is a crucial part of just the spiritual formation. As we began our discussion, it is something that God created at the beginning of creation. It is a gift to people. And like most of God's gifts, they are not just there simply for our enjoyment, but they're also there for our spiritual growth and development. Almost everything God gives has a spiritual component to it. And so I would say that following the calendar gives you a way of organizing your time around God and his principles. The alternative is because all cultures do organize their time, we either allow culture to dictate what our organizational process is, or we try to make the story of God our organizational focus. Yeah, you know, I'm a big Thanksgiving guy. I really, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not a big Christmas guy because of the opulence and, you know, it's like, okay, how much can we spend and how many gifts do we have to give for each person and all that kind of stuff. But it seems like the, in the United States, we kind of almost blow, I mean, after Halloween, Mm -hmm. you know, we start with the Christmas sales and stuff like that. So uh, we're, where is a good resource uh, to take a look at? I mean, if I'm well, if I had, if I could only give one book to suggest, Robert Weber's uh, book "Ancient Future Time" is probably the starting point many within my discipline will start with. Um, there are there are certainly hundreds of resources out there, but if you want a 
theological look at not just what are the, you know, because Weber has very little time or patience for the, you know, the opulent parts of Christmas or the, um, or the, uh, the very secular aspects of it. He, he cuts right to the chase and is like, these holidays are ultimately about Jesus. The fact that mm-hmm. in Christmas terms, God has had his son become incarnate and dwelt among us is a truth that should move us to absolute awe and wonder. And likewise, the Easter narrative of, of our God sending his son as a sacrifice for our sins, vindicating that sacrifice by raising him from the dead and sitting him at his right hand. uh, These are, these are core truths that are much more reason to celebrate than what am I getting for Christmas this year? Or yeah. or what, what's the candy in the basket for Easter? Well, yeah, we discussed uh, very close, uh, similar type of things with Thanksgiving as well. Mm-hmm. Dr. Allen, this has been incredible. Uh, Scott, man, this has been... Uh, yeah, and, and I want to follow up. Um, both uh, Corey and I studied at the Institute for uh, Worship Studies. And when I was doing my graduate work, it was the first time, and I'm kind of embarrassed to say it, uh, when we were doing the, the class on the Christian calendar and the, and the church year, it was the first year that I had done a full observance of the Easter season. And so starting with Ash Wednesday and then the 40 days uh, of fasting for Lent and then uh, leading up to Palm Sunday, the Passion Week of Monday, Thursday, Good Friday. And, and for the first time in my life, it brought so much more meaning to what was happening then mm-hmm. on Easter Sunday, yes. and uh, and I know you and I had talked a little bit that that, and I liked you you alluded to it just a minute ago that that if the church and if we do not allow the church to influence society and the direction, then all of a sudden we we become the hallmark calendar, and and so then and again there's nothing wrong with Thanksgiving or Mother's Day or Father's Day or Independence Day. But those are not biblical holidays or observances that, uh, you know, Thanksgiving would be the closest. Again, honoring our father and mother, that's a biblical command, but we, we, we tend to allow those secular influences in, as well as the use of the lectionary. Uh, I grew up in a Disciples of Christ church. We, we tended to, be, to follow that a little bit more, obviously, than our independent Christian churches. But again, uh, and we talked about this with Dr. Halen and, and some of our other podcasts, if, if we're not careful in, in focusing on Scripture, then all of a sudden we are thematic. and Become we, secular. Yeah, and we begin to teach on topics on, on how to raise kids and, and have a good family and to manage our money, and, and those are all good topics that need to be discussed, but they don't necessarily follow the story of Christ throughout. So I really appreciate that. Anything you want to respond on that in closing? Um, just the fact of uh, one of, um, again, my mentor, Robert Weber, one of his last books he, um, he wrote was a book called Who Gets to Narrate the World? And part of why he sees just the benefit of these calendar keepings is because ultimately Christians are trying to tell the world, this is your story. And the world in its uh, response is, no, let me tell you your story. 
And so in many ways, by Christians having a calendar that focuses on Christ and his story, it's a way of proclaiming to the world, it's a way of doing the gospel in the world that says we are not going to be subject to the world's story, but we have a story the world needs to hear. This has really been good, guys. Thank you so much. I'm with you, Scott. I, I was not aware you know, of the importance of this. And I'm going to take another look. I I really appreciate it, Dr. Allen. I think this this is is great around this season of Christmas. And and I really hope that this will help you understand why the weeks leading up to the birth of Christ celebration on Christmas Day are important as an advent of waiting, expectation. And so thank you, Dr. Allen. Thank you, Mr. Worley. Uh, Remind you that if if you would like more information about Dallas Christian College, you can check us out on our website at www.dallas.edu. Especially look at our worship arts track and some of our programs there. We would love to have you here as a student because Dallas Christian College is committed to changing the world for Christ one student at a time with an education that is accessible, affordable, and attainable. And so thank you for joining us for this episode of DCC's Leadership Podcast. We pray that you and your family are staying safe, that you have a a great uh, Christmas holiday celebration and look forward to the new year. And we'll look forward to joining you again here soon at the DCC Leadership Podcast. Take care.